And there is no mm-hmm. rebuild. There is no reboot. Uh, and they do have, you know, enough weaponry on offense. I don't think anybody's going to question that. And defensively, if they can get back to being a top five defense like most of Mike Zimmer's defenses have been, there's no question that they feel like they should be able to compete. Yo, yo, welcome to Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network. And today I am joined by Vikings team reporter Eric Smith. And Eric and I have both been at minicamp all week long. So I'm excited to talk to you, Eric, about a few things that happened at minicamp. I mean, we were at OTAs together this this offseason. Uh, we spent a lot of time together and it's a lot of, I guess you bring a, not a, a lot of knowledge to the show today uh, just from your insights. Of course, if you don't know who Eric Smith is, um, that's probably your problem, but at the same time, uh, I'm pretty sure you you read three observations um, pretty much every single day throughout training camp, throughout minicamp, OTAs, and so on and so forth. But coming up later in the show, NFL Network's Tom Pellicero joins me. I'm excited to talk to him about all things to know Hunter. Uh, minicamp, he was at minicamp earlier this week, and a few other things that we are going to delve in as far as just this offseason in particular. So without further ado, Eric Smith, I bring you in, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Gabe. I appreciate that noteworthy introduction. I don't know if I'm worthy of that, but much appreciated. Absolutely. When, when you are the team reporter, you you have to report the fact that Eric Smith does phenomenal work for this team. So that's that's the least I can do. But you were at minicamp alongside with me, um, whether that was tweeting, whether that was posting, whether that was doing the three observations every day. I just want to hear your overall take on minicamp this week. Uh, of course, Tuesday's practice was was a normal practice. Wednesday practice was normal, but yesterday's practice, Thursday, it was canceled. So your insight on why that was canceled and just, like I said, your thoughts on minicamp. Yeah, it's sort of rare that Coach Zimmer will cancel a practice in the offseason. He usually likes this work, and especially with last year being virtual, we, we heard a lot from him this year about how much he enjoyed being back on the field and working with players in person again. He really enjoys that. I think the whole coaching staff does. But you know, I think the Vikings also got in some good work this offseason, you know, whether it was OTAs or minicamp. Zimmer seemed very pleased with where the team is at. Um, you also don't really want to risk getting guys hurt in some hour-long practice on a Thursday in the middle of June. Not yeah. that that happens all the time, but, you know, to this point, pretty much everyone is healthy, and that's just a risk that we don't want to take, especially considering the fluky injury or or I guess bad injury luck that the team had a year ago and also I think Zimmer likes where the team is at you know there's a lot of veteran guys on this team that have been added this offseason or that are coming back from injuries or that are just here in general so a lot of guys know the offense they know the defense it's not like we're breaking in 10 rookies like like we were a season ago and I just think that Zimmer is good with where we're at right now and he wants the player to kind of rest up, and we'll see you in late July for what should be a very competitive and very interesting training camp. I was telling Jay on the Minnesota Vikings podcast earlier this week that the, the competition has ramped up for sure this week. Of course, OTAs, we saw guys you know, trying to figure things out. You want to get your hand placement here. You want to get your steps here and there. But this week, guys were, of course, it's 75 80% of full speed. But there were a few guys running around full speed. I mean, Christian Derisaw, uh, when I think of full speed, though, I'm thinking of Adam Thiel and Justin Jefferson. Those guys were, I mean, they were running routes like they were playing against the Green Bay Packers. Like like this upcoming Sunday is a Green Bay Packers week eight or week nine. Um, what were some things that you saw? Who were some players you were impressed with? 
And how can this team continue to build heading into training camp? Yeah, you talk about guys who stood out or maybe brought that intensity to the offseason program. A guy who always brings it for me and who did again is Eric Kendricks. Yeah. You know, and, and that guy, he, he missed some games last year, and he talked about how frustrating that was for him. He talked to the media earlier this week and said, man, I was feel like I was having the best year of my career. And then he had that that uh, that muscle injury, and mm-hmm. he had to miss the final five games, and that you could really tell the Vikings defense sort of fell off when, when he was out. So he's a guy who brought a lot of energy. I agree on Jefferson, but, I mean, that kid is just a, just a bundle of energy all the time. Yeah. Al- always has a smile on his face. And you can tell he's gotten better. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing is he was so good as a rookie. But, I mean, his routes look smooth. They're, they're not going 100% all the time, but you can tell he had good good burst out there and, and good good speed. One guy who really actually stood out just in terms of speed, and I know we he's a fast guy, is is Kene Wongwu. Like, it, yeah. it's tough to evaluate running plays in the offseason because they're not in pads. They're not doing full contact. So, a defender kind of gets there and goes to like tap the running back or whoever. But man, when, when Kene gets into the open field, he's gone. Like he is quick. I mean, yeah. I can't tell you what he's going to do in pads and how he'll, he'll fare when like it's full contact and you know, it, it's a little more physical, but there's always a guy who looks good in t-shirt and shorts and, yeah. and that's him. He, he looks very quick. Yeah. And I just for, I guess prematurely, I mean, he he automatically fits into a kick return position. I mean, of course, he's not going to be the starting running back. You got Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Amir Abdullah. But we know this Vikings team carries five running backs each week, including C.J. Ham. Of course, he's a fullback. So I guess it will be four running backs and one fullback. And if Kane wants to get on the bus or on the plane, his way to fame will be special teams alongside these other guys. So that, that's a great point that you bring his name up because him uh, as well as a guy in Amir Smith-Marset, those were, I guess, just rookies that stood out to me um, this this offseason. Like you said, I can't say Wyatt, Wyatt Davis or Christian Derisaw or even like a, a Chaz Surratt because you, you really can't judge progression of a you know an intermediate or a lineman guy without pads on. Um, but it was exciting to see, you know, just to see some of these guys run around at the same time. I think I was more impressed with, you know, your um, Xavier Woods and your Harrison Smiths. I mean, the chemistry there. I think this, you know, this time of the year, we didn't have it last year. So the biggest part that you want to do is just build that chemistry, build that trust. Okay, this is where this guy likes to be. Um, And Xavier Woods, in my opinion, was a guy that stood out. And, you know, just staying on the defensive side of the ball, we know we brought in a lot of free agents this year. Speaking of the defensive line in, in particular, um, Stephen Weatherly, Dalvin Tomlinson. Technically, you can say Michael Pierce since he didn't play last year. Uh, technically, you can say Daniil Hunter since he didn't play last year, even though we drafted him. But having Daniil's presence out there, what were your thoughts of just seeing him? He looks like Daniil Hunter. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> he is, you know, we, we have almost been spoiled by Daniil, not with just like his production on the field. That's been great. I mean, he produced since he was a third round pick in 2015, mm-hmm. even when he wasn't starting. I mean, he has, I think he has 54 and a half career sacks in 78 games. He's only started 49 games. He's only started really three seasons. And obviously he missed, he missed last year, but he has just produced at an insane level when, when he is on the field. But even more than that, he's a good person. He's a, he's a team first yeah teammate you know he he's probably not going to be a captain but i kind of view him as a captain especially on that defensive line right now he is yeah. surely like the leader of that defensive line 
Um, it was great to see him. I mean, he didn't do really anything on Tuesday and Wednesday in minicamp, but that's fine. Like, just seeing him is great. Um, and I agree with what you said. I kind of look at him as not really a free agent. Like you said, he was drafted, and, and you know, but, but getting him back is such a big boost to this defense. And you can say the same about Anthony Barr, Kendricks in a way, because like I said, he missed those five games. Yeah. You know, Dalvin Tomlinson's new. Michael Pierce is essentially new. Weatherly's back. I was talking with Craig Peters about this the other day, and like other other than Harrison Smith, this defense could look completely different than it did yeah. at the at the end of the 2020 season. And we know that wasn't good. Like that New Orleans game was just a te- yeah. a terrible game for the defense. But if you look at who, at what 11 players could be on the field, other than Harrison Smith, it could be 10 different players and that is a revamp of a defense as much as i've ever seen and i think that that automatically puts more i wouldn't say pressure but it it raises more eyes on the offense because when you bring in all these guys that have made plays whether that's on other teams or for the minnesota vikings you say okay well we addressed the defensive side of the ball i think we spent over 50 million on the defensive side of the ball in free agency this year that raises eyes on, on the offensive side of the ball okay kirk okay dalvin okay jj you guys were top five offense last year. What are we going to do this year? And one thing that really stood out to me this week in press conferences, uh, Kirk Cousins was asked a similar question uh, as far as like, you know, evaluating himself. And he said this year was the first year in his entire career where he actually went back and watched every single game of his from his previous eight years in the league and watched every single snap that he took in an NFL game. And he did that this offseason. And one thing he said is that he wished he would have done that you know, earlier in his career because he was like, man, like, I don't know how, why coaches kept me in after, you know, me making these throws when he was in Washington or whether that was early on here. So I, I, I think Kirk is taking it upon himself to, to make another step in his career. And we all know, uh, Eric, it, it starts with Kirk. It starts with this offense. Of course, the, the offensive line has to block. But this team goes as far as Kirk takes us, right? Agreed. Yeah. And for as good as the defense – could be or with all the potential that the defense has you still have to find a way to score points in this league and especially with the way the league has trended in the last few years with a increase in points i mean last year was the highest scoring year in the history Mm -hmm. of the nfl and i don't really see that changing too much i mean this is becoming an offensive driven league and and the vikings were up there too i mean they were a top 10 offense last year and they, they had they were good and they didn't get a lot of help other than a few draft picks, mostly Darisaw and Davis. But like you said, nearly all of the resources and the money this offseason went to the defense. And I asked Kirk about that um, the other day. I said, hey, Kirk, like, you know, how do you feel as the starting quarterback that all those resources went to the defense and there wasn't as much help to the offense? And he said, I love it. Like, as a quarterback, other than your skilled players, right, like Dalvin and, and Irv mm-hmm. and Jefferson – his best friend is our defense. And if, if our defense can get back to the level they played, maybe not maybe not 2017. I mean, that's maybe a stretch. But 2018, they were top 10 in points and yards allowed. If they can do that again, it takes some of the pressure off of Kirk to have to score 35 a game. You're still going to have to score 24, 28 a game. But if your defense yeah. is good and can get a stop at a big moment, which didn't happen last year, then – it takes a little bit of pressure off him. But, yeah, in terms of Kirk evaluating all his games, I thought that was very interesting, but also a very 
Kirk like thing to do in the off season because <laughs> that guy is very analytical and he he's always looking for an edge and I'm surprised like you said like or like he said I'm surprised he hadn't done that sooner because that seems like something he would have done three or four years ago you know yeah. is reevaluate his whole career but he's always looking for an edge and it is it is on him it is on him to to keep going I mean entering year four he's not the new guy anymore you know he's not getting adjusted to Minnesota he's here he's firmly the starter he's been here and it's about wins that's, that's really what what it's about for him and and this entire team this is a big year for the entire franchise and they, they got to win they got to win for sure and then to your point of if the Vikings defense holds opponents to less than 24 points I like I like Kirk's chances of, of getting us some wins I can see us scoring at least 28 points 31 points and and sneaking out a few victories that we didn't do last year. Um, but more importantly, we got Tom Pelissero joining the show. But first, hey, Vikings fans, this football season, make Pepsi your go-to game day drink because it's the only drink for football watching. Pepsi, that's what I like. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero is here. And Tom, you and I talked this past week at the TCO Performance Center at Minicamp. And I told myself I will not talk about retro Jordans today. So I'm going to talk about the second most important thing, your takeaways from Minicamp this past week. I did do some Googling on the uh, the shoe that you you recommended. So <laughs> maybe some new Jays in the rotation by, by training camp. We'll see. Well, I, I, I think like that it. the biggest takeaway, because it was a short practice I got out there uh, to see, and obviously the Vikings, like a lot of teams, have made adjustments. They're wearing the soft helmets without the face masks. You're never in pads at this time of year. So tough to draw conclusions from what you actually see in terms of the production on the field. But the number one thing that jumped out at me was looking at the size of that defensive line. When you've got Dalvin Tomlinson next to Michael Pierce, the guy who opted out last year, plus the big free agent signing. That's like 659 pounds of beef in the middle of the defensive line. And they're just huge dudes. I mean, both guys are really nose tackles. The plan is to play them side by side. Then you add in Sheldon for that mix coming in on a one-year deal. Obviously, you've got the Neil Hunter back. The Vikings defense last season, particularly against the run, did not look like a Mike Zimmer defense, really against the pass, too. I mean, they had their struggles there, too, but you understood a little bit more with young guys in the secondary. They've invested so much, particularly in that defensive front, in addition to, obviously, on the back end with bringing in Patrick Peterson, bringing back Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Woods working in, working alongside uh, Harrison Smith. You get guys back healthy uh, like Anthony Barr and, obviously, Hunter as well. You know, All those things combined, it's very clear. The Vikings feel like they've got an offense that can compete at a really high level. What they needed to do was fix the defense. And Mike Zimmer said it to me early in training camp last year, I've never had a bad defense. I don't intend to start now. (laughs) Well, they had a bad defense, flat out. There were a lot of reasons for it, but the way that they've invested in that unit. And then just to see it live. I mean, I travel all around. I see all 32 teams. I've been doing this close to 20 years. I don't know that I've ever seen a team line up with two dudes that big as their interior defensive tackles. I mean, Rick Spillman said essentially he has four free agents on the defensive line this year that could possibly be starters. I mean, Daniel Hunter didn't play last year. Of course, we know he was drafted. Michael Pierce opted out, like you said, Dalvin Tomlinson, Stephen Weatherly. I got to talk about Daniel Hunter, though. That's the obvious news here, right? Like, what does he do to this defensive line this year just with his presence alone? Well, that's what they need to see because uh, let's – 
back up for a second. Remember, the guy missed all last season with a neck injury. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he had to undergo surgery. I mean, this was a significant uh, type of a thing, which is where, you know, for all the discussion about, you know, giving him a, a new extension and making him the highest paid defensive player in the league, from the Vikings' perspective, job one is just figure out, is he back to being Daniil Hunter again? He just got back to the TCO Performance Center this week after not being around, I think, since last uh, September. You know, they did adjust his contract, but it's not fair to say it's a new contract. He doesn't get any additional dollars this year. He does not get any new money added to the contract. What they did was they moved up some money from the back end of the deal into 2022, an $18 million roster bonus that's due in March. It serves as a trigger, so the Vikings have a decision to make after this season, and it forces their hand a little bit to make that decision early on. So if they decide not to keep the Neil Hunter, he's got a chance to hit free agency unfettered. So for the Vikings, they don't give up a whole lot, and they get a year to evaluate, see, is he back to being one of the best pass rushers in the league, and then figure out, as they would have anyway, all right, now what do we do with a contract extension if he gets back to that level? And if he doesn't, then you have the opportunity uh, to potentially move on after the season. But what their hope is is that he is Daniil Hunter again. He is still a young guy at this stage mm-hmm. in his career, has obviously had a really high level of sack production through the course of his career when he has been healthy and on the field. That's a big thing they missed. They missed a lot of things on defense last year, but not having that true edge threat. Even Yannick Ngakwe, when he was in Minnesota, was not the same level of guy that Hunter is. He's so long, he's so athletic, he's so strong, he has so many moves off the line of scrimmage. That's a guy in a position Mike Zimmer needs to make his defense go. And also think about this, because all the different parts fit together. You've got Hunter back to rush the passer. So you mm-hmm. also invest in bringing back Alexander, bringing in Patrick Peterson, hoping you shore up the secondary, cover a little bit longer, let him get home. And then when you invest in the interior defensive line, those big bodies, they eat up blocks so that Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr can run around and make plays. All those parts fit together, and they've they've upgraded, they hope, in so many different areas. They're hoping this looks like a completely different defense, and Hunter is a big piece of that. Mm, for sure. I mean, even in your 19 years of covering the NFL, like, have you seen an, a, a, like an offseason like this with so many guys on one-year contracts, so many unknowns? I mean, I mean, we're still trying to, you know, work through this pandemic. Well, I mean, you know, league-wide, I think that this is, you know, certainly unique, but there were still guys who got paid. I mean, the Patriots went on their early spending spree. You saw some other teams very active in the early stages of free agency. I know the Vikings have a bunch of guys who are either in contract years or on one-year deals, but I mean, the Texans literally signed like 25 or 30 veterans to one-year contracts. So mm-hmm. everybody kind of approached it differently. Uh, teams like Houston wanted to, you know, see are there market inefficiencies that we can exploit. One of them was Most teams were not willing to do a one-year, $2 million deal. It was either you sign a guy and give him money, or it's a minimum offer. They go, we'll give you some money. And they signed everybody. For the Vikings, they really followed their pattern. If you you look at what Rick Spielman has done through the years, and certainly with Mike Zimmer, they generally target one or two free agents every year. One or two guys that they are willing to pay. This year was Dalvin Tomlinson, who got, I think it was $12, $12.5 million a year, somewhere in there. And then the the surprise, because usually there's one in that second wave when a market doesn't develop on a long-term deal. This year was Patrick Peterson coming in on one year, roughly a $10 million, I think, with upside uh, contract for him. So two big pieces in that defense. That really fits the Vikings' uh, long-term MO. If anything, what they did different was you know use more of those voidable years, which they did on Sheldon Richardson's contract. What those are are dummy years. They're not real, but you do that because when you give a guy a signing bonus, you prorate it, so they lower his cap. It. The Vikings did that a little bit more just because of the salary cap 
uh, is down, but they're always budgeting for now as well as in the future. And Rob Brzezinski is one of the best in the business at it. Absolutely. I mean, there are, I think, what, 31 guys on this Minnesota Vikings roster that are either on one-year deals or on a contract year. So out of those 31 guys, which one or two or three have to prove it the most this year? I would say the number one guy that comes to mind is Patrick Peterson, a 30-year-old cornerback who has been one of the best in the business, the top five corner when he's been at his peak uh, through the course of his career. But, you know, things got a little bit sideways at the end in Arizona. He served a suspension. Um, You know, they weren't able to work out a contract to keep him there for the long term. This is one of their core uh, types of guys. Now he comes to Minnesota wearing a different number, wearing number seven, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is so bizarre to me to watch like the first time I saw him I'm going like okay this is some undrafted rookie they didn't have a number he might as well be wearing number zero I'm like oh no that's Patrick Peterson chose to wear number seven that's weird to see but new number new team new defense and he's gonna have to cover I mean the Vikings play quite a bit of of man-to-man coverage that's where Peterson's been at his best through the years has been able to you know shadow a receiver I don't know how much they're gonna have him do that specifically, uh, but he's got a lot to prove. I mean, you watched him yesterday. This is the time of year that everybody's kind of experimenting and getting used to things. Adam Thielen got him on a crosser. You know, mm-hmm. in yesterday's practice, there was another one where he was following the receiver, kind of got his feet tangled up a little bit. In no way am I passing judgment on Patrick Pearson at this stage, but every time that he sets foot on the field, he's going to be viewed through the lens of, is he done? Is this a guy that is toward the end here? Is he not still the same level of player? In Patrick Peterson's mm-hmm. mind, Knowing how he's wired, he absolutely believes he can still be that player. And in a defense with so much talent around him, he's got a better chance to succeed in Minnesota than he's probably had in recent years in Arizona. Uh, For sure. I don't know what's more bizarre, Patrick Peterson wearing number seven or Sheldon Richardson practicing in number nine. Uh, But speaking of number nine, there are nine starters coming back on the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings. Um, We know the weapons are there. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, new offensive coordinator. Who emerges in this new Clint Kubiak offense? Well, I really think the Clint Kubiak offense it remains to be seen because nobody's going to give away a scheme in June. But it's right. going to be very much a carryover from his dad, Gary's offense. It's going to be the same uh, principles of that uh, West Coast stretch zone, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan offense, outside zones, play action, bootlegs. I'm sure there's going to be some new twists. I think what's going to be most interesting to see is in some of those critical situations like the hurry-up offense and two-minute where the Vikings had Mm -hmm. some real struggles in big-time moments. That's a big focus uh, through the course of this offseason, just how they can develop some kind of rhythm and tempo. big part of that, too, is just going to be the offensive line playing better. They've continued to invest resources now with Christian Derrissaw coming in. Obviously, they've got Brian O'Neill in place. They've got some guys returning, uh, you know, the Garrett Bradbury's of the world. They've still got some questions at guard. But you look at the number of offensive linemen they've drafted in the first or second round for a number of years now, you can't say they haven't invested resources in the position. And Derrissaw is going to be a really interesting one here just Mm -hmm. to see how quickly his role develops and exactly where the Vikings slot him in as a rookie. Because this is a player who, when I talked to to scouts and coaches pre-draft, was a little bit polarizing because he got hurt last season. He -hmm. continued to play through it then didn't do anything uh, through the course of the the early stages of the pre-draft process. Wasn't able to work out at his pro day. That raised some questions. There were some you know people who believed, okay, is this a guy who just, you know, is he really going to be into it, the loving football and all that? But then I talked to other people who really dug into it at Virginia Tech and were told, well, think about this. It's a guy who, on a team that was going nowhere, kept playing with an injury, knowing he's got so much on the line in the draft, millions of dollars, and it's going to impact him to have this surgery at the end of January or whenever he had it, as opposed to 
saying, forget it. I'm done. I'm mm-hmm. going to have the surgery in November. Be ready for pre-draft process. Some scouts really liked that about him, the fact that he continued to uh, compete for his team. I mean, there's no question about the physical ability. It's just kind of how quickly can the Vikings um, be able to, uh, you know, get that that going for that offensive line that certainly needs it. And that is going to have a big impact regardless of who's calling the place. If they can solidify the offensive line, be able to protect in those high leverage types of situations, that's going to that's going to do a lot of positive things. Yeah, I think playing through injury says a lot about his character, his toughness, and his will. My last question for you, even with 12 on the team in green, I guess coming back this year, is this Vikings team still good enough to win the NFC North? Well, you would certainly think that the Vikings, in the way that they're constructed, are are aiming to win every year. I mean, there is no mm-hmm. rebuild. There is no reboot. Uh, and they do have you know enough weaponry on offense. I don't think anybody's going to question that when you have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, developing players like Irv Smith, if the offensive line is better, Kirk Cousins coming off of another season where he's never going to be, I shouldn't say never, you never know, but like he's not going to be that flashy MVP candidate type, but he's played good, solid football and he's been productive. And defensively, if they can get back to being a top five defense like most of Mike Zimmer's defenses have been, there's no question that they feel like they should be able to compete, but there's still a long way to go. You've got plenty of questions about how some of those new parts are going to coalesce on the defense, about how the offensive line is going to come together, what Clint Kubiak uh, is going to add to the offense. And you mentioned it. I mean, there is still drama in Green Bay. I was there last week uh, for a portion of their mandatory minicamp, and the short version is they don't know. They, they mm. continue to plan and budget as if Aaron Rodgers is going to be their quarterback, but they're practicing uh, with Jordan Love as they have been through the course of the offseason here. And we may not know for sure until closer to training camp or even closer to the regular season about who's under center. That's very true. Well, I guess for Vikings fans, July 27th is when the players report. July 28th is when training camp starts. So I'm looking and forward to July seeing July 31st. The United start all 32 teams, blowout coverage on NFL yep. Network, I'm sure. No one's told me that, but I believe we'll have blowout coverage. And then that scrimmage, too, that'll be fun on August 7th for the Vikings in U.S. Bank Stadium, the mm-hmm. first ever that they've had there uh, with fans inside the stadium. That will be fun, and I hope you have them your Flint Jordan 13s when I see you. I'm going to Google it right now make sure I'm finding <laughs> the right ones. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Always a pleasure talking to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. I know he will be joining us with his retro Jordans as soon as he can when we see him next time. But more importantly, Eric, we are five weeks away from the start of training camp, and I'm so excited. There's so much competition that we'll be talking about, so many things the Vikings Entertainment Network will be doing. So, guys, stay tuned to Vikings.com. But, Eric, before we get out of here, your final thoughts on training camp preseason and getting into the regular season. I'm excited. And I'm excited, not really what's going what's gonna to be on the field, but the return of fans to training camp is going to be incredible. They were sorely missed a season ago, and I cannot wait to see a bunch of crazy purple fans out there practice for training camp. I mean, even if it's just <laughs> practice, fans get into it. It brings energy. I know the team loves it. As far as on the field, I have a couple positions I'm looking at. One is, of course, the offensive line. Um, the first team offensive line was essentially the same all off season and it maybe frustrated fans a little bit because it wasn't who they wanted to see up front. Obviously, Darisaw and Davis were not with the first team. They were with the second team. And so from left to right, it would have been Rashad Hill, Edra Cleveland, Bradbury, Dakota Dozier at right guard, and then Brian O'Neill at right tackle. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think that just to ease in Darathon Davis a little bit and make them earn their spots, I think they'll probably end up playing quite a bit as rookies. And, you know, for Darathon, he could end up starting the whole year. But at my big question going into camp is at what point do they make the jump? And at what point do they get elevated and earn that spot on the first team? Because surely Darisaw is the left tackle of the future with the Vikings. You, you don't draft someone in the first round at 23 if that's not the case. But if he is going to play a lot, you know, he's got to get used to working with Edgar Cleveland at left guard and, and listening mm-hmm. to Bradbury make the calls along the line. That's important stuff to get figured out in training camp in the preseason. So it could be early on. It could be the first week. You know that we see Darisaw and and potentially Davis move up to the first unit, um, and they're going to have a good test. Like we talked about, all those those new faces or you know good players the Vikings have brought in. Wouldn't you want to go against Daniel Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson, Michael Pierce, Sheldon mm-hmm. Richardson, Stephen Weatherly, and practice every day? Like throw them in there, throw Darisaw in there with the ones, and get them crazy good reps and and get them ready for Week One. Um, the other thing is competition like you said at positions that maybe aren't full-time starters but are going to be key and that wide receiver three and linebacker three and both of those positions aren't really starters anymore because defense has run so much in the nickel situation and you know mm-hmm. the the nickel cornerback is really a de facto starter now and you know bar and kinders are, are not coming off the field so who is that third linebacker going to be um, Chad Surratt didn't participate much the last few weeks um, for, I guess, unspecified reasons. You know, it doesn't really matter, but, you know, he should be good to go for camp, I think. So what can yeah. he do? You know, he's very athletic, so excited to see him. Cam Smith, I thought it looked good, you know, and that's good to see after his, his heart surgery. Nick Vigil made some plays. Um, Troy Dye is back from a year ago. So there, there's some competition there. And then wide receiver three, it's not a starting spot, obviously, because the Vikings run a lot of two tight end sets and they have, you know, for my opinion, you know, a top three wide receiver duo in the league and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. But you're going to need somebody to step in at some point and make some plays. So who steps up in camp at that wide receiver three? Is it Chad Beebe again? Is it BC Johnson? You mentioned earlier, Amir Smith-Marset. He could be a guy. Um you know who's actually looked good is K.J. Osborne. He actually looked, you know, more noticeable this year as a receiver than last year. And maybe that's a low bar because he didn't do a ton as a receiver last year. But that's sort of what I have my eye on for camp. Um, you know, we're going to have a little bit of, of, a, of a break here and, you know, kind of have some downtime. But once mid-July hits, you kind of get that feeling again. You, you, yeah. You're ready to go for camp and – it'll definitely be an exciting time. Yeah, um, and my final thoughts is just picking back up from your point. I mean, we've had this conversation about the offensive line uh, plenty of times this offseason, whether Darisaw should be getting first-team reps or not. And like I always tell you, I'm no coach. I don't make decisions for the Vikings. But I think not having him start or making, you know, get many reps with the first team was good for his progression because it's, it's less worry, less pressure. He can actually see things from afar and then see how he fits in. Like there were plays um, where he was, you know, 20 feet behind Rashad Hill at left tackle while that while the actual play is going on and he's going through his steps with the first team. But, I mean, of course he's off the field doing it. So he's getting those mental reps, and I think that is huge. I think that is key for his development. And 
I'm glad that they didn't rush him along. So now once training camp gets here, he knows what he has to do. Um, he has the mental aspect down um, to an extent. I mean, let's let's be real. Year one is going to be a whirlwind for him as with any other rookie, including Wyatt Davis. So at the same time, once those guys get one-on-one experience against your Sheldon Richardson's, Daniil Hunter's, those guys, that's when they can put the mental with the physical. Putting too much on their plate during this offseason I, th- I think is a lot, and I'm glad of, of the way – um, that the that the Vikings coaching staff, you know, kind of ushered those guys in. I mean, we saw Wyatt Davis get some first team reps. So how they ushered those guys in, uh, I'm I'm excited about it, and I think that that helps with the progression going forward. And and again, to your point of wide receiver three, you can do so many things there. Like you said, KJ Osborne had a really good um, off season period, um, but at the same time, I, I really think you could. You can really consider a Tyler Conklin and a Irv Smith Jr. for that wide receiver three spot. You, you you have to put a nickel you have to put a nickel over top of them uh, when they come into the game and they're flexed out. And let's say you want to run the ball, like I'm taking my chances on Irv Smith Jr. blocking a corner on the edge any day of the week. So that matchup is a is a a nightmare for defensive coordinators. And I think the weapons are here. It's just up to Kirk now. It's up to Clint Kubiak to to put the pieces together, put the players in the right area. And we'll go from there. But a lot of content will be um, posted, will be published, will be curated throughout now and in the start of training camp. So Vikings fans, stay tuned to Vikings.com and all of our social media platforms. Eric, it was a pleasure talking with you today. Um, Tom Pelissero brought some really good takes to this show also. Vikings fans, in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. And thank you again for joining us for another edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. Pepsi.